0: Boom! Back on a Tuesday, the day before John Ramos gets to celebrate his birthday. John hanging out as well. We've got Brian Fenley at the news desk and lead the lap running this show today. And George, last night when I put my head on the pillow, I thought, man, George is going to go off on James Harden. This is going to be, <laughs> be a Rockets hate fest. We can dive into what happened with the Bucks and the Miami Heat. We're, we're going to be able to do that, and George is going to get to say his piece about what's happening uh, with the Rockets. But I never thought that I would wake up and see that the Big Ten and the White House now are having conversations on how to get football back this fall for those Big Ten schools. Absolutely crazy.
2: Wait, you never thought that this could happen? I, well,
0: I OK, considering everything that's <laughs> happened in 2020 and knowing the landscape of what we're going to have over the next two months, I just didn't maybe think that it was going to happen at this point or be so directly involved. And for those that may have missed it or you may have missed what Brian said in the in the news report. But President Trump and Commissioner Kevin Warren of the Big Ten had a conversation today, a phone conversation about how the Big Ten could get back to playing sports this fall.
2: Yeah, so he made the full resources of the federal government and their testing available to the Big 10. Uh that they're going to get special uh access to the stockpile of tests and all of that. So I I just found it very uh, ironic that he did get involved in the Big Big 10 because this is a political move. I mean 1 100 Per percent, because you have Iowa, Minnesota, Michigan, Wisconsin, Ohio, and Pennsylvania who are all battleground states. So these are the states that are going to swing the election either one way or another. And that's Big Ten country. And and we know that they are the most passionate uh, fan base there is in football. They make the most money. Like it's the biggest and baddest conference, even though the SEC has been very successful, it still doesn't have the same cachet as the Big Ten does. So when you have the president weighing in on this, there there, there were two main main points. It obviously is political. But the most important thing, Dan, I was like, hold up. This is very clear to me that the hypocrisy, because so many of these people will say, keep sports out of, keep politics out of sports, keep politics out of sports. But politics always puts its head and, and gets in the business of sports all the time.
0: There may be people with uh, issues with the Black Lives Matter on the court of the NBA bubble. Uh, there, there was the, the WNBA owner in Atlanta who did not want them to mix because of uh, of her uh, beliefs that she had, uh, no matter how absurd they are. But to your point, you are very, very correct on that. It is it is convenient for. Uh, the, for the politicians to all of a sudden now say it's for their convenience, where this now becomes uh, becomes a topic and becomes uh, intertwined with each other, and yeah, total hypocrisy, yeah. absolutely one hundred percent. I would hope, though, I w- I would I would hope that whoever has their vote in whatever way that they want to vote, whether it be to the left or to the right, would consider more options than if they have football games on Saturday. And maybe that's too much <laughs> for me to ask when you 're trying to think about whoever you're whether you're voting for the presidential election or whether you're voting for the local the, the the mayor or however it is George. I know that there are people who vote on one topic or one issue because it 's the yep. issue that affects them the most, and you know what at least they're involved or at least that they they have an opinion of why why they're wh- they're doing it. I will at least give them credit for. For that, because I do think that some don't even look at the issues and have already made up their mind of, yeah. of what they want to do. But yeah, this but single would be single
2: issue, single issue voters typically like it's usually about abortion or sure. or rights for certain people. Uh, yeah. If, rights, uh you, you know, if like you're a marriage farmer, or something like. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. It's usually and, about stuff like that. It's not usually about football. If football of <laughs> what is what swings the election, we are further from. Like, 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 civility and common sense than I could possibly. I mean, it would be terrifying at that point. But, uh, Dan, if, if you look at the, uh, the uh, landscape of sports, the athletes, how that they are realizing that they have a brand, they can affect change out in the world, I can't see. A, a world where you have athletes sticking to sports or shutting up and dribbling, as long as politicians, news shows, political opinionists, as long as they stick to sports and not just stick to politics, like the hypocrisy yeah. is on full di- di- display. And I think that that where people are that they didn't want them to mix, well, even though that they didn't realize that these things have been a part of each other for a long time. When we boycotted the 1980 Olympics in Moscow, that was political. Mm-hmm. The uh, Even when Jesse Owens went and ran in Germany, that was political. There uh, uh, in, in the Olympics, there have been, uh, politics has been involved as it relates to free agency. And even when I just testified in front of the Senate Judiciary Committee about college football, and name, image, and likeness rights, politics stay in sports. It's just that some people just don't like the issue being brought up right now. Now, it it could go
0: it goes both ways, though. Right? I mean, when you're when you're saying when you're like, I don't. Th- I think that those days are long gone. Like, I, I I don't think that this is a fad. I don't think that this is just a a phase that we're going to. I just think that those days of where, where I think everything mixes, whether it be politics, whether it be sports, whether it be uh, entertainment, I, I, I think all of these things end up mixing. And I just don't think that there's ever going to be a time where they are separated like maybe they were 30, you know. I can't even say 30 years ago because you just brought up the 1980 Olympics. But to the point of, yeah, like this is this is not going away. This is not going away and the the shut up and dribble stupid comments like that are not going away but you're also going to have a group of people george is saying okay you people said all right let's not just stick to sports and now government and sports are combining so what's wrong with that so what would you have to say to those people who are saying all right well you said that sports and government shouldn't you know shouldn't get together then why do you have a problem with this what would you say to that crowd
2: Oh, I, I don't think that there's anything to say back. It, it like, I, I thought you made a good point, Dan. Is that things in worlds collide and they also like, quote unquote, don't match. But that, but people are three dimensional people. Like, like, well, four four dimensional. If you want to look at it like that, you have people who are, um, who. Are involved in sports, but they also have other interests, whether it be politics, uh, uh, so, um, things going out in the community, activism, people love food, people love whatever, like you, all of these things can coexist at the same time. And I think the, the world used to just be, okay, you focus on your Uh, compartmentalization box like okay you are an athlete you stay in the athlete box you're a politician you stay in the politician box but how many people have crossover jobs now i mean they they don't just stay in one lane in one one box because people have evolved to the fact that they're saying hold up i don't have to just live here i can also live in another lane i mean look at Look at athletes. You have the quarterback uh who just who just got drafted from Tennessee. He's involved with uh NASA. You have other athletes who are involved in fashion. Some of them have gone um like uh Kevin Johnson from the Phoenix Suns gone into politics. You've had the the the, the wide receiver from Ohio State. He's now Anthony a Gonzalez, senator. Yeah. yeah. He's now a senator. So it's like people have different interests. So keeping people in a box is just not going to work anymore.
0: Well, and, and I'll even answer my question as well because I think it's one that that when in this in this time where things get blurred uh, get blurred and things look blurry, there there it, it goes back to the to the point of there's a difference between politics and then there's a difference between rights. And equal rights and social issues, and I, th- I think that those things—that—that that is what I would say to those people are saying. All right, you're saying that you don't want to shut up and dribble, and I'm using the air quotes. So, wouldn't it be all right for the White House to try to, you know, get the Big Ten back to playing and th- and to have that sports and politics sort of thing? I think that the Black Lives Matter movement and the social justice that was going on are different than the politics. And I know not everybody sees it that way, but that's how I would see it. That's how I would deal oh. with those sort of things. That's prep,
2: yeah, I think the president put a lot of pressure on the Big Ten with his tweet because he said, we're at the one yard line. Regardless of whether that's true or not, <laughs> the fact that he said it Is what matters because people are going to people who support him are going to believe that with 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 fervor. It doesn't matter what actually happened, which which we don't know. They could be at the one yard line or they could be at the 50 yard yard line. But the fact that he said it puts pressure on it. And after me and me and you talked about on Sunday, you've had LSU have a bunch of tests. They've had um, a bunch of positive tests. They've had Jamar Chase and one of their top defensive tackles opt out for the NFL draft, which is not ideal for them. Alabama's had a bunch of COVID tests. So they've had a SEC has had a bunch of teams that have had to shut down their workouts. And so have the SEC. I'm sorry, the ACC. And now if you are those conferences on the heels of the Big Ten fans outrage, and then on the heels of the president saying this, knowing that a lot of his voters are in some of those red red states, I think he puts a lot of pressure on them if they were considering stopping, particularly the SEC, that now they're probably going to be standing there like, oh, I don't know about this, man. We, <sighs> I, we, we may just have to just plunge ahead regardless because and then just stop if something bad happens.
0: I want to play. This is what the president had to say when he was asked about it earlier today uh, about the conversation that he had with Commissioner Kevin Warren of the Big Ten. Here was President Donald Trump earlier.
1: I think it was very productive about getting Big Ten playing again and immediately. And uh, let's see what happens. He's a great guy. It's uh, It's a great conference. Tremendous teams. And we're pushing very hard. I think the biggest headwind we have is that you have uh, Democrats that don't want to see it happen but I think they want to play and the fans want to see it and the players have a lot at stake including possibly playing in the NFL. You have a lot of great players in that conference so we had a very good conversation, very productive and maybe we'll be very nicely surprised. They had it closed up and I think they'd like to see it open along with a lot of other football that's being played right now.
0: So that was the the president, and there are two things that I just want to add to that. And I think it was genius of him to say they're at the one yard line because George, I don't know if they have one yard to go or ninety nine yards to go. To your nah. point about being at the fifty yard <laughs> are you line, at the
2: plus ninety nine, y- yes, ninety nine. Yes,
0: I don't know if you're backed up in your own territory with your backs against the goalpost in your own end zone, or if they truly are one yard away. But also, he has the conversation with Commissioner Kevin Warren, and then we find out yesterday that there was an eleven to three vote, or it. it Whether there was a vote or not, it seemed that there were the presidents in the Big Ten voted 11-3 to to not have a football season. They would still hold the power on whether to play this fall or not. And
2: it was Iowa, Nebraska, and Ohio State who voted to keep playing.
0: Yes. Yes. So that, uh so it's still the power still rests in their hands. Now, maybe the uh, information and the testing that they could get from the federal government could change their minds to playing. But is this another thing, George, of just football only plays? Do you have the other sports playing? How do you do with that? That's why I tend to think that they're at their own one yard line and not at the opponent's one yard line ready to cash it in and score a touchdown. He's George Reister. I'm Dan Beyer. This is the Doug Gottlieb Show here on Fox Sports Radio. Get George, the six-time, six-year time NFL vet, on Twitter at George Reister and the former Oregon Duck, which, by the way, President Trump had nothing to say about the Pac-12 conference and them not playing. I'm on Twitter at Dan Beyer on Fox Nobody cares about the Pac-12, George. Nobody cares. No, it's, they're just hanging out there doing their own thing. You can also tweet us at Fox Sports Radio uh, at that Twitter handle as well. Coming up next, we dive into the NBA bubble. And how long will the Rockets last playing like this? We'll see if it's cut short next year on Fox Sports Radio. With all that's been happening lately, I feel like I haven't driven anywhere, and the grocery store does not count. I've been missing the open road, and I'm so ready to get back out there and just rediscover it all in a mazda mazda has the most incredible cuv lineup including the first ever cx30 with available i-active all-wheel drive with off-road traction assist it intuitively responds to the way you like to drive i was totally drawn into the exterior so distinct and sleek it actually looks like it's moving while sitting still pretty cool right then i hopped inside a cx30 and just instantly fell in love with the minimalist approach Of the interior, everything right where it should be, so I can focus on what's ahead. I told you yesterday there's a Grand Canyon trip, maybe one to the Pacific Northwest, and maybe a cross country trip coming up within the next year or so. Mazda has more IIHS top safety pick plus models than any other brand as of July 2020. Go to MazdaUSA.com to learn more about the entire Mazda CUV lineup and available
5: finance options.
4: Terms and conditions apply.
0: Yes, it is. He's George Reister. I'm Dan Byer. We are sitting in for Doug today. Doug was in for Colin Cowherd on the herd here on Fox Sports Radio uh, just prior to us. So uh, that's why you don't have Doug today. and You've got us. We've uh, got you covered. and You also um, have got a uh, great conversation that you can chime in, uh, be a part of it. Get George on Twitter at George Reister. I'm at Dan Beyer on Fox. Today's show is brought to you by Blue Emu. Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief works fast and you won't stink. It's pharmacist-recommended, odor-free pain relief for muscle pain, backaches, strains, sprains, or even arthritis. There's no stinging or burning involved. It's simple pain relief. Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief works fast and you won't stink. Things stink right now for the Houston Rockets because they were unable to close out the Oklahoma City Thunder last night, forcing a game seven did OKC in that series to talk about that and so much more in the NBA. He's a senior NBA writer for Bleacher Report and a friend of the program. Howard Beck joins us again here on Fox Sports Radio. Hey, Howard, how are you doing today? Hey, guys. Good. Good afternoon. How are you? You know, doing doing all right. Let's. Uh, it seems like every single game that the Rockets play is a referendum on if what they do works or if it doesn't work. And last night it just uh, didn't work in the end when they lose to to Oklahoma City. W- what was the biggest flaw last night? Is it, is it is it Russell Westbrook in the turnovers? Is it James Harden not, not getting the ball, not being assertive? What was the biggest flaw you saw in the Rockets' game six uh, defeat to the Thunder?
6: Well, you know the. Disclaimer, understanding that every NBA game is about the whole 48 minutes and and not just about the end game. But that said, you know, if you're in a close game and playoff games are going to tend to be close, it really does matter your execution down the stretch. And I think what we saw from the Rockets last night is almost the worst version of, of what I feared might be when they made the Chris Paul for Westbrook swap a year ago, July, which is that I never bought Westbrook and Harden as a, a really complimentary tandem in the first place. You know, obviously both of them are most effective with the ball in their hands. And so then you have to decide, well, when it matters most, who's got the ball in their hands? Well, that should be James Harden, right? Because he's the more well-rounded of the two of them, broader skill set, better shooter um, by far. And besides that, it was, you know, kind of his team, you know, Westbrook mm-hmm. was coming. there as the second guy. And what we saw last night, repeatedly down the stretch was Westbrook with the ball in his hands and Harden, not just um, not involved, but almost looking like he didn't want to be involved or just kind of lagging back. Like he wasn't, he wasn't uh, engaged in any kind of energetic way to get the ball. It was just kind of standing back, watching Westbrook go to work and Westbrook going to work meant, um, you know, bad shots and turnovers and just multiple botched possessions that cost them the game as much as anything. And, I don't know how to account for that. Um, they'd gone on, I think it was like a 15-0 run or something, before Westbrook came back in, and then you know Mike D'Antoni puts him in because that's what happens. Stars want to get back in the game for crunch time, and it's hard to, to say no to them. But I, I think you know either you don't put him back in because the team's rolling without him, or you put him back in, but you have to ensure that the ball is in James Harden's hands on the most critical possessions, and it wasn't. And, and, and that's the loss.
2: Well, I've been a a staunch um, criticizer of James Harden and his style of, style of play. So, so my question to you is, how can you actually win when you have your best player who is not engaged in the offense when he doesn't have the ball in his hands? I mean, that's part of the reason why he didn't have it. He was standing near the uh, three-point line. He doesn't set set screens. He doesn't participate when he doesn't have the ball in his hands
6: it's a problem and when westbrook was a solo act in oklahoma he didn't do anything when the ball wasn't in his hands either so again i, I was never somebody who bought into this as a I, I thought chris paul and james harden for all whatever happened between them personally they were a much more complementary pairing than westbrook and harden because chris paul can shoot from multiple places and can and can play off the ball and harden can play off the ball obviously he's a great spot up shooter too he just wasn't doing anything to play off the ball last night during the, the the possessions we're talking about, and I don't know how to account for that. Uh, I just know that if you're the Houston Rockets and your franchise is built around James Harden, and it is, and you're in a tight game, I don't care who else is on the court. It's got to be in Harden's hands to orchestrate, because that's what he does best, is have every possession end with either him hitting a step back three or – you know, faking somebody, getting by and getting to the rack or drawing a foul or hitting an open shooter. Like, that's their whole offense and has been for a few years now or a, a massive part of their offense. And if that's not what's happening down the stretch, then, then something has gone terribly awry.
0: Howard, Beck in the Bleacher Report, joining us here on Fox Sports Radio, talking about the NBA playoffs and what transpired yesterday. He's George Reister. I'm Dan Beyer in for Doug Gottlieb today here on the Doug Gottlieb Show. I want to jump to the other game was Mike Budenholzer uh, exposed? Did Giannis expose anything in the post-game comments uh, that he made about not defending Jimmy Butler? What's your take on on that situation?
6: That was a strange response when he was asked directly, "Very, hey, do you do you want to do you want to take on Jimmy Butler, or, or, or will you ask to just be the one defending him?" And he and he he seemed puzzled or even offended by the question. I mean, that's a pretty, that's almost a cliche of the NBA, and especially in the playoffs. At some point in time, you ask, you know, LeBron or Kawhi or Kevin Durant or whoever the, the star of of, of of the team is, when uh, the star on the other team is going off and it's a guy who's, you know, at your position or nominally at your position. You know, we're at a positionless age here. Obviously, we're not asking the point guard to guard the center. Sure. but. If if you've got a star who plays the, the perimeter and can defend the perimeter, and the other star, uh, the other team's star perimeter player is going off, it's almost a cliche question: Are you player X going to ask to guard player Y? Like that's that he seemed put off by that was odd, and I I, I wasn't like he's been in the NBA long enough that I don't think this is just a cultural divide um, from having grown up somewhere else. I don't think it's that. Um, it, it, it seemed to catch him off guard. and I, I didn't know what to make of it in real time. I don't know what to make of it today. Maybe, maybe his feeling is: look, I always defer to the coach, and that that very much is his personality. Is to say, you know, that it's up to the coach. And so, and he did add that, and he said, I'm going to do whatever the coach wants me to do. So maybe, maybe he thought it, it felt like a gotcha where it would be somehow undermining the coach for him to make some sort of demand like that. Um, I don't know. I, I I don't know for sure. And then look, you know. Modern day defense in the NBA isn't very rarely a one man thing, but it starts with one guy. And when you're a defender at Giannis's level, you know, you've got the ability to if you if you want to, you can just about shut down just about anybody you want. He's got the the lateral quickness and the certainly the length and the height. And if you put him on Jimmy Butler, he can make life really difficult for him. So it's it it's a fair tactical question. I don't know where it's going to lead and I, and as I say, I don't understand his response.
2: Which would be a more disastrous situation? Houston losing in the first round to OKC and basically being tied in salary to basically the, the same team coming back or Giannis winning defensive player of the year, MVP, and then getting bounced uh, because he can't shoot the basketball, essentially?
6: If the Heat upset the Bucks, and I think they can, and and I thought that, well before last night's game um i think people have been underrating the heat for a while and i think people have been overrating the bucks and not by a lot this is not a shot at the bucks i just think that while the bucks have been a, a rightful favorite based on their record i don't think the gap between them and the rest of the east is as big as, as the records suggested I, I think boston toronto and miami all have the ability to beat them um if the if the bucks lose in the second round it's, it's a far far bigger calamity for milwaukee than houston losing in the first round to oklahoma um for a bunch of reasons, but let's just start with Giannis's future. The Bucks let uh, Malcolm Brogdon walk. They said, we, we've got all we need. Um, they, they do have another star in Chris Middleton, but he's not the same kind of second star as, you know, a Paul George or an Anthony Davis, or when you had LeBron and Wade together, or Steph and KD. It's just, they don't have it. And it's not anybody's fault necessarily, but... If Giannis, as he comes up on the final year of his contract, which is he'll, you know, once the season's over, he's he's going into his walk year. That's when you usually get the max extension offers, and that's when you signal either I'm going to take it, or I'm going to play it out, or I'm going to demand a trade now. And I'm not suggesting that he will or that he should. But if Giannis has any concerns about the Bucks' ability to win a championship, losing in the second round would certainly underscore that. And it's not going to be because of his failures necessarily. Um, and it's not to say that he, he would be freed of that, but it will be because the, the supporting cast isn't enough or because he doesn't have that that really high-level second star. Uh, you know, th- those the questions that would come and the, the doubts that would come and the potential wheels that would be put in motion with a Bucks loss in the second round, I, I think could just be devastating for that franchise. And And again, I don't know that he would then ask out but that is the speculation that will come immediately and if and if he did you, you know you you, can't, you don't recover from that
0: we're going to wrap up with this uh because we do have to look at tonight's game 7 i know it's there's two games tonight but for what donovan mitchell and jamal murray have done they need a little pub howard back of the bleacher report joining us here on fox Uh, what is the likelihood? Because I I, I don't think that we all expect a 50-burger tonight from one of those two guys, especially in a Game 7. But what are you uh, most looking forward to in a series? Which, honestly, I thought, Howard, if this was a regular playoff, maybe it's not getting as much hype as it is because they're not two marquee teams. But what do you expect in tonight's Game 7 between Jazz Nuggets?
6: Uh, you know, the series has given us a, a, a lot of thrills already, so oh, yeah. it's almost too much to ask to, that either of these guys goes for 40 or 50 again. But it's been an incredible duel between them, and I, I don't know how to predict what's coming next. I'll just say I hope for more of the same. Um, it's it's a coin flip at this point, and <laughs> it has to be a coin flip. There's no home court. You know, this yeah. this is this, this is the first ever, you know, game seven in a bubble. First ever game seven, where the crowd, there is no crowd to matter. The the, the setting doesn't matter, and I don't, you know, we're still trying to figure out and and, and learn from how this how this all affects these guys and how it has changed series potentially. I think that the Utah is still in this could be, you know, could be part of that. You know that that you know I, I don't know that we expected them to be still in it this long with no Novak and with all the other issues that the Jazz seemingly had. But credit to them for pulling it together and being this competitive. Um, I'm just looking forward to a great Game 7.
0: Should be a dandy. Get him on Twitter, at Howard Beck, read him on the Bleacher Report covering the NBA. Howard, we appreciate the time. We'll do it again soon. My pleasure, fellas. Thank you. He's George Reister. I'm Dan Beyer. This is the Doug Gottlieb Show here on Fox Sports Radio. Coming up next, is it okay to feel sorry for another fan base? We'll answer that question after Brian Fenley gives us the latest of
5: what's happening on this Tuesday. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific.
3: Now back to the two-man game. These two guys master the pick and roll, although Dan's range inside 15 feet. Back to Dan
0: Beyer and George Reister. Oh, you could not be more wrong. Brian Fenley, you could not be more wrong. I am only from 25 feet and out. Oh that's because, Yeah, that's because I don't like to run the full length of the court. That is why <laughs> if I just toggle between three-point line and three-point line, then <laughs> then we're all good. But it just saves a lot of wear and tear on the knees, I and mean, I'm not out of breath as much.
2: So uh, how many rebounds do you do you at would you average in a
0: men's league? Oh, me, probably zero. Yeah, but yeah, I, I mean I may go I may go one for nineteen from three point range. Maybe there would be a long rebound oh, the, that I would get Houston Rocket style. Yeah, that's exactly it. I would be James Harden just uh, just lingering out there about twenty eight uh feet away waiting for somebody to give me the basketball. That's what it would be. Oh man, those days are long gone. I knew that I knew I was in trouble a few years back, George, when I was playing a pickup game, a little one on one half court, and it was four two and I was completely winded. Like I was done. And we, we you know, are like, All right, let's play up you know, let's play to eleven and, and I got to four and I was I was cashed out. Oh, that's that's the way it goes. Uh I, I know you've got some hoop in you. I've heard I've heard many uh, uh, a a theories and a story and stories and and uh, I know you got some games, so I don't know if I want to deal with any of that on the court. I'd rather have to be my pick and roll partner <laughs> st- than guarding. I
2: still it. play my. So, my uh, son's a, a little a little hooper now, and he's getting pretty good. And you know, and we play one on one about every two or three weeks. And every two or three weeks, he's like, next next time we play, I'm beating you. I'm like, son. I know that you are a big time athlete. I know you're young and spry, but you know, it's, it's gonna be a while before you get a before you're able to beat good old dad. And he doesn't even know too that, uh, I'll be sneaking to the gym to get some shots up, man. (laughs) Where's uh, dad?
0: Oh, he had a work meeting to go. Oh, no, he's over at the uh, the Y taking some shots. (laughs) Hey, man, look.
2: Listen. is there anything more I, I don't think there's anything more humbling for a dad than to have his son beat him at sports or beat him at something physical especially as a, like a form, former professional athlete so I know that that day will come but I need to be I need to push it out further. That way, then the respect stays there where we like, it feels like a significant accomplishment if you're like 16 or 17, because that's when I could first beat my dad at something 16, 17. And then you're like, OK, I am passing the torch on to you. We're done playing one on one. And now, you know, because and that's a hurdle for him to overcome.
0: <laughs> just trying to keep that
2: as arms
0: length as as long as you can that that that's that's the key even if you can even if it, into his late 17s you know i would even i would even Consider that an accomplishment, but once he's 18, yeah, that's gonna that's gonna be tough, George. I, I, there's there's no turning back. Plus, you got to factor in the added years on your body. That's uh, gonna be tough. But try to try to hold it off, give it that Heisman stiff arm as long as you can. I do want to ask you this question: Derwin James lost for the year yesterday for the Chargers. And in sports, we say things even out. You know everything's evens out at some point. But I just don't think it evens out when it comes to injuries for the Chargers. And I, I actually I feel bad for Chargers fans because there's there's always hope. And I just I don't know if it's right to feel bad for Chargers fans in and, and, and that's it's just something though that I think of man every single year it seems like there is something going on injury wise with that team, and now you're thinking, all right, more of a defensive team, let's do it, and it's Derwin James again, remember he missed a good portion of last year. Is it all right to feel bad for the uh for the chargers because or at least the fans for what they have to go through?
2: No man, no, you no, just uh, deal with it, huh you have to play with your troubles. I mean, and granted, I mean, it, at least it's not Justin Herbert. I mean, at least it's not, you know, wait, uh, wait, the guy sitting on the bench, like, I, I, I all mean, right, uh, Ty, Tyrod Taylor. It's uh, not any, it's not your quarterback. That is probably the most important thing. And granted, like players get hurt all the the time and you don't get any sympathy. It's almost like a league of their own. When Tom Hanks, the, the most famous line in that movie, there's no crying in baseball. There's no you you can't cry about the woe is me. Somebody got got hurt. I mean, look at what the Patriots did. The Patriots won a Super Bowl with a six round draft pick, number one ninety nine after their first round draft pick, big stud of a a quarterback Drew Bledsoe right. got hurt. Sometimes you find gems in the weeds, man. I mean, and if a player, granted, is not Derwin James's fault, because I'm assuming like he has been working hard trying to get himself in the best shape possible, that you can't help getting get, getting hurt sometimes. But you know, pro, pro pro sports is hard, and it ain't for everybody because it's hard to stay healthy. I, I would say this: there was a time
0: in my life growing up in Big Ten country, and as I've told you and has been said on this show, I've I've been I've followed the Ohio State football since I was about eight years old, the mid-80s. It's the, the program that I've always followed. Even though I went to another Big Ten school, I've just always followed Ohio State football. George, I hated every Big Ten team in that conference except Ohio State, every single one of them. I wanted them to lose every week
2: even when they played each other. But then so the would essays, you have felt but, bad for him Well, if well, – if, if, If if Michigan lost all of their quarterbacks,
0: absolutely not, and I still wouldn't. Like there is when it comes to 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 that school, absolutely not. But I will say this: when the SEC started their SEC chance you know, in the mid-2000s and then moving on, whenever an SEC school would oh, win a no national way. championship. Yeah. Yes, that actually changed my opinion towards the other Big Ten schools because now I'm like, yeah, I want that team to beat LSU or I want that school to go and beat Auburn. Like, those are – those. so then that changed. I still won't root for Michigan in anything, but the other Big Ten schools, at least I will I will change and, and root for, for the sole fact that the SEC was just so annoying when Florida was winning their championship in football and in basketball, that it just it, it, it changed the way that I would you know actually cheer for or feel for other fans. Um, yeah, that changed everything. And I think college and pro are different as well when you're dealing with it too.
2: Dude, you cannot like. I am not you know playing the smallest violin in the world for any professional football team or basketball team like it it sucks it it does like i get it but there are no There are no constellation prizes. There are no moral victories. You either win or you lose. And and truthfully, in sports, you play with your troubles. That's why when you have teams do things like the Philadelphia 76ers who try to tank and trust the process. The process didn't work because there are there's no shortcut to success. There's no way to cheat your way to it. And they tried to do it. And that actually that is that is not even something that you just don't feel bad about. That's something that you actually I am happy that the 76ers that their plan did not work out and it actually backfired. So that is the opposite of that.
0: He's George Reister. I'm Dan Bayer. This is the Doug Gottlieb Show here on Fox Sports Radio. No consolation for those teams. Coming up next here on Fox Sports Radio, we have news just in that may have Big Ten football coming sooner rather than later. What are the chances of that happening? We'll tell you next year on Fox Sports Radio.
5: Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live.
3: This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is.
0: He's George Reister. I'm Dan Bayer. We are sitting in for Doug today here on Fox Sports Radio. You can get the six-year NFL vet on Twitter at George Reister. I'm at Dan Bayer on Fox. I also encourage you to check out George's podcast on afraidshow.com right Writer Reister. Did I get all the? Did I hit all the key talking points, George? No. That, well, yes. Okay.
2: Yes, you did, except for the uh, name Reister or wrong Reister or wrong. Okay, that actually makes
0: more sense. That makes <laughs> that would be like saying. Uh, coming up next with game time is Fenley Bryan. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. the cue. That's the cue, Johnny. Game time.
5: This is game time.
0: It's game
5: time. On the Doug Gottlieb Show.
0: All right, Fenley Bryan joins us. No, hey. just kidding. Brian Fenley is here. Hey, Brian, what's hey, going on?
5: Hey, guys, we've got a game. What are the chances?
3: Guys, what are the chances the Big 10 plays football this fall?
0: Oh. <laughs> all right, George, go go you can you can start off with this one. Percentage-wise, what do you think these chances are we see the Big 10 on the gridiron?
2: Okay, so Dan Patrick just came out with a tweet and said that that the Big 10 if they can get all this stuff together that they may be able to kick off October 10th. So I am going to give a five percent no a two percent chance that they kick off on october 10th and and a 95 percent chance that they kick off after thanksgiving
0: Mm, i don't i'm not a big fan of that thanksgiving plan i don't see what the difference between thanksgiving and january is so i will say this i will give the to your october 10th i will give it a 10 percent chance for the big 10 of it actually happening 10% Ten percent for the uh, the Big Ten in October. That, Otherwise, I think it's going to be January.
3: That ten percent is ten percent higher than Dan Byer's three point percentage. But oh we go on come from on,
0: <laughs> I'll hit one. And, yeah, it may bank in, but it'll go in. Yeah, that
3: is true. What are the chances there's a stoppage with this college football season?
0: I I think very slim. So I'm going to say five percent. I think that if they're going to go, they are just going to go,
2: and they're going to figure out a way through it. George, what are your thoughts? I'm going to give a 97.9% chance that there is a stoppage if they kick off. (laughs) Opposite ends? That's because George is back playing defense, and I'm cherry-picking for an easy layup. (laughs) Exactly. You will be currying favor with some people.
3: (laughs) What are the chances, guys? Jamal
0: Murray has a 50-point night. Ah, you know, I saw the over-under was like 31 and a half. I just don't think you could have 50 in a game seven. I just don't think that that's happening. So I'm going to go very, very low. I'm going to give it a 3% chance, George. What do you
2: got? Uh, I'm going to price this right, you. I am going to go 2.9%. So
5: <laughs> that's game, huh? Game time. This
2: is game time
5: on the Doug Gottlieb Show. Mm.
0: If you get to play Plinko, I'm going to be mad. He's George Reister. I'm Dan (laughs) Byer. Thanks to Brian Fenley. This is the Doug Gottlieb Show here on Fox Sports Radio. We'll hear from Brian later. But coming up next, who's the real problem in Houston? We'll tell you here on Fox.
4: If you dare.